Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? I am. Let's go. Let's go to 1951 Texas. Oh, and like not not Dallas or Houston. No, close to Wichita Falls, a smaller town than Wichita Falls, which is not Wichita, Kansas, Wichita Falls, Texas. They sure liked to go there, though. They did. Well, wouldn't you? We, uh, okay, high school seniors and best friends, Sonny and Dwayne, live in a dying Texas town. As graduation nears, they contemplate their futures. What could go wrong? What could <laughs> We are doing 1971's The Last Picture Show. The Last Picture Show. It came out on October 22nd, 1971. That's two days after Play Misty for me. Oh. I thought that was interesting. The Particulars, produced by Stephen J. Friedman. He also did Slapshot, The Big Easy, and Little Darlings. This was his first production. Hmm. I think he was a lawyer, and he really wanted to get into film producing. Mm -hmm. The director is Peter Bogdanovich. He also did Targets. That was his first film. Then this film was his second film. He also did What's Up, Doc? and Paper Moon which is one of my favorites. I know, we have to do that. He also acted as Dr. Elliot Kumferberg in The Sopranos. Oh. Remember, I think he was, he was Tony Soprano's therapist, therapist. Oh, okay. Okay. The screenplay is by Peter Bogdanovich and Larry McMurtry. It's based on the novel The Last Picture Show by Larry McMurtry. Now, Larry McMurtry, very famous author. He recently passed away on the 25th of March, 2021. Oh, wow, that's real recent. Yeah, he did. He wrote Horseman Pass By, which you'll remember was turned into the film HUD, which we did. And he did... Leaving Cheyenne, which was turned into the movie Love and Molly, and The Last Picture Show, which was turned into The Last Picture Show. Those three books were called the Thalia, a Texas trilogy. Ah. So we did the first part of the trilogy, and we did the second part of the trilogy. Oh. He we also might not do the third. He also wrote Lonesome Dove. He got an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay for Brokeback Mountain with Diana Asana. And he also wrote Terms of Endearment. Oh, wow. And so many other books. Larry McMurtry wrote so many books. And then he also ran a bookshop, a couple of bookshops. Very interesting life. Um, The music features songs of Hank Williams Sr. and other recording artists. Sure does. Director of photography, Robert Surtees. We've heard he, of him. Of course, because we've done some of his movies, and he was known for his versatility. He did The Bad and the Beautiful, which we did, The Graduate, mm-hmm. The Sting. He also did Ben Hur, Oklahoma, 1976's A Star is Born. Nerd Alert, his son Bruce was the DP on Play Misty for me. Oh, wow. Which came out two days prior 
Wow. In the same year. Look at that. Father and son. The editor is Don Camburn. He also did Easy Rider, Romancing the Stone, The Bodyguard, and Little Giants. Very versatile. The design is by Polly Platt. Now, Polly Platt, there's a fantastic, a whole season of the podcast, You Must Remember This, is about Polly Platt, the Invisible Woman. Now, Polly Platt, she co-wrote Peter Bogdanovich's film Targets. She and Peter Bogdanovich were married. More on that later. She was also the production designer. She was the one, according to You Must Remember This, um, it's very funny with this movie. There's what everybody else says, basically like the Peter Bogdanovich story, and then there's like Polly Platt of like, well, no, this is all because of me. And the truth is somewhere in between, although I bet it leans a little bit more toward Polly's version. So she was the one that suggested the adaptation of the novel in the first place. She found the novel. She was friends with Sal Minio, and she read the novel and passed it on to Peter Bogdanovich. Peter Bogdanovich started reading the novel and was disappointed because he thought, because Peter Bogdanovich is super into movies. He's a movie nerd, movie film historian, like Martin Scorsese. Even Peter Bogdanovich was friends with like John Ford, Alfred Hitchcock, um, Orson Welles. You know, he was the young guy that befriended all of these titans of the industry. So he thought it was going to be about movies and was kind of bored because he was like, this is just about kids in Texas. What? She was the one that was in the aisle that saw the uh, Sybil Shepherd on the cover of the magazine and was like, I think she was. Yeah. Cause in every story you read and all the oral histories, it's all, Oh, I was in the, you know, it's all Peter Bogdanovich did it. Well, that turned around to bite her in the ass. Didn't Mm -hmm. it just. Then despite their divorce, she still was the production designer on what's up doc and paper moon. She was the first woman member of the art directors guild she was the production designer on A Star is Born. She wrote the screenplay for the 1995 short film Oscar winner Lieberman in Love. She was the executive vice president at James L. Brooks's production company, Gracie Films, from 1985 to 1995. So she was involved in the production of Broadcast News, Say Anything, and Bottle Rocket, which was Wes Anderson's Bottle first Rocket. film. So she pretty much discovered Wes Anderson. She gave uh, James L. Brooks a nine-panel cartoon of Life is Hell by a cartoonist named Matt Groening and suggested that the two should meet. And they did, and we ended up getting The Simpsons. Oh, wow. Yeah, so this woman, that's why I highly recommend listening to Polly Platt, The Invisible Woman, that season of You Must Remember This, because that woman had her hand in everything, But if you go in and read any oral histories about the last picture show or a bunch of stuff, not the only time you hear about Polly Platt is, well, she was married to Peter Bogdanovich. And we'll get into what happened to that later. Yeah. Starring Timothy Bottoms as Sonny Crawford. He was in Johnny Got His Gun, The Paper Chase. And That's My Bush. 
which was a pre 9 11 2001 sitcom about President Bush. Oh. oh. Yeah. He was also in um, the sequel to The Last Picture Show called Texasville. There was a sequel. Yeah. And like everybody's pretty much in the sequel. Right? Oh, yeah. It's... There was a sequel and they all got reunited to do it together. Yeah. Uh, James Bridges as Dwayne Jackson. You know, he's the dude. You said James, but it was Jeff. I mean, Jeff. Jeff Bridges as Dwayne Jackson in The Big Lebowski. He's also in The Fabulous Baker Boys, True Grit, and Crazy Heart. Was this, this wasn't his first film? Um, I don't think so, because remember, his dad was Lloyd Bridges, and his older brother was Bo Bridges. And so I think this was probably his first big time role, but I don't think it was his first feature film. Okay. I think he showed up in a lot of different things, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um, Sybil Shepard as JC Farrow. She was in the taxi driver, the heartbreak kid, the television shows moonlighting and Sybil. That's Sybil is where I first met Christine Baranski. Yes. Like this woman's hilarious. Yes. Ben Johnson as Sam, the lion. He was born on Osage Indian Reservation and is of Irish and Cherokee descent. Wow. Mm-hmm. He was also in Rio Grande, Shane, The Wild Bunch, and Radio Flyer. In real life, he was also in the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. Because he oh. was in a bunch of jo- of John Wayne films and cowboy yeah, films. right. But he was also like the real deal bona fide Cowboy. Yeah, I think that he was like driving horses to Los Angeles to be in the movies. <laughs> like Man. that's his job. And they were like, hey, uh, you want to be a stuntman and like help us with all this kind of stuff? And he was like, sure. So that's how he got into it. Cloris Leachman as Ruth Popper. Yeah, young Cloris Leachman. Well, she 40 was, well, Yeah. She was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Young Frankenstein, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Phyllis. She won an Oscar, Golden Globe, British Academy Film Award, um, Daytime Emmy Award. She won eight Primetime Emmy Awards and had 22 Emmy nominations. Yeah. What an illustrious career. She recently passed away as well. She was also on Dancing with the Stars. Mm-hmm. She was like 94 when she passed away. Yeah. She, I would say that, you know, it's not as severe, but I would say that like, well, I don't know, you you all tell me. I would propose that she is like the white lady version of Cicely Tyson. And tell her like very later years, because yeah. she was like 40 something in this movie. Right, in in 71, yeah. Yeah, and I thought she looked fantastic. Yeah. So, I'm just, I'm like, oh, look at that. Ellen Burstyn as Lois Farrow. She was indeed. I kept looking, I kept seeing that face, and I'm like, you are a famous actress. You are a famous actress. What, what do I know you from? And then when I was like, that's right, Ellen Burstyn. So she was in The Exorcist. Alice doesn't live here anymore. Yeah. I, I know Ellen Burstyn from her role in Requiem for a Dream. That 
like she was fantastic in that harrowing film like wow and then she was also most recently in pieces of a woman which i did not see i did you did uh-huh. well no just because everybody always talks about what's her face in the birth in the like does it does she have like a birth scene in it it's like harrowing or something I've been through birth myself. <laughs> okay. It is harrowing. <laughs> um, Eileen Brennan as Eileen Genevieve. Brennan. They just kept coming. I know. She was in The Sting, Private Benjamin, yeah. Daisy Miller, and also the sequel, Texasville. Randy Quaid as Lester Morrow. He's uh, Cousin Eddie in the National Lampoon Vacation movies. He was also in Midnight Express, What's Up Doc, and Paper Moon. Nerd Alert, this was his film debut. He was a student at the University of Texas, and a teacher told him to audition. Wow. And so he, he went and auditioned. And there is an Entertainment Weekly oral history. Um, it was written by Chris Nashawadi. And it said that the younger brother, Billy, was Mm -hmm. supposed to be played by another actor. And the brother, um, Timothy Bottom's brother, ended up being cast as Billy. But and because he just showed up on set, he was being taken care of his brother. And Peter Bogdanovich saw he was like, who's that kid? And just liked him and was like, oh, he, he should be Billy, even though they had already cast somebody. And oh, in the wow. EW oral history, they say that the person that was recap that was cast originally as Billy was Dennis Quaid, Randy Quaid's younger brother. Oh, my gosh. Well, he did OK for himself. So that's yeah. OK. He's not. He, I don't really get Billy vibes from Dennis Quaid. So <laughs> that's probably, you know. It worked out all right. So those are my particulars. Okay. I'm going to start with a Victor Hugo quote from Les Miserables. Oh. (laughs) Okay. I don't have a moo-moo. I mean a... (laughs) Kimono. Kimono. (laughs) Well, I I did read yesterday the uh, Mary L. Trump Ph.D., book too much and never enough about you know how my family created the world's most dangerous man and this is how she starts the book if the soul is left in darkness sins will be committed the guilty one is not the one who commits the sin but the one who causes the darkness and that really reminded me of this movie So we have a black and white, bleak, abandoned, despondent, any one of those words. Yeah. Describes the setting and people in this dying Texas town. We meet Sonny in a beat up old pickup. Everyone in a beat up old, everyone (laughs) he got. Everywhere he goes is run down, and all the men he runs into complain about Sonny and the high school football team's lack of tackling. Yeah, we know all about that, but not in Texas. Uh, They had a losing season. More on that later. Sonny and Dwayne are best friends. 
Dwayne's girlfriend is JC, the only pretty thing in the town, except her mama. Her mama's pretty too. Sonny and his girlfriend, not Dwayne and JC, but Sonny and his girlfriend, go to the movies and she announces it's their first year anniversary. He could not be less interested. We've been going steady for a year tonight. And he says, really, it seems like a lot longer. <laughs> they break up that night. Then in PE yeah, class. Because he basically realizes he had, there was some, it made me laugh out loud, some exchange. And he basically breaks up with her because, yeah, she's not pretty. He's like, I don't have to put up. Basically, in his well, mind, he's kind of a bitch, too. Yeah, yeah she was. He, yeah, he was like, you're not pretty enough to be this bitchy. Yes. And yeah. she was like, why didn't you get me anything for our anniversary? Mm -hmm. And he's yes. like, I'm here. And he <laughs> was right. like, well, you'll. And then she was like, you can get laid when we get married. Yes. And he yes. was like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not waiting that long. No, uh And you know, you're not worth waiting for. So and I'm not just talking about her looks, I'm talking about her personality. Yeah. Okay. So uh in PE class, the coach, who is the football coach and the basketball coach, who's spitting into a styrofoam cup, which just gags me. Ask Sonny to skip civics class to take his wife to the doctor. Okay. Yeah. What? Then we meet JC's mom, who knows that if she marries Dwayne, her life will be as boring as the mom's life has been. Everybody appears to be exhausted, but accepting their lives and not able or willing to change their circumstances. Taking their distractions where they can. I'm done. Wow, nice. How'd I do, Christine? Great. I mean, I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> you didn't go into much detail. I was waiting for <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to go into detail and tasty nuggets, and it's going to be very uncomfortable. Oh. So we are to nerd alerts. No, we're not. We're to power of... Cast oh, I'm POC. sorry. We are POC and Power of Cast. Yes. All right. I there are no actual people of color. Mm -mm. Correct. But there is slander. <laughs> yes, Ma. Well, I thought that in the John Wayne movie that was showing, oh. that there were um, people uh, from Mexico. Oh, I didn't. There were a few Probably cowboys who I, to the movies like, that were like three with a question mark. I felt it, like, yeah, that would go into I think into the power of cast because that that movie was Red River. Yes, and that goes into man, ex exterminate all brutes. Just kind of rewired my brain, and I'm just like, oh, look at this propaganda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, so that there is slander. There was uh, they, they, you they said something badly about Mexican people mm -hmm. and Asian people, mm -hmm. although they didn't say Asian, they said yellow. So mm -hmm. I have that quote and quotable. Okay, so does anybody else have any uh for any of the POCs? Because I got cast. Okay, cast. I have cast okay. as well. Go ahead. I don't have any. Well, I the only one that I wrote was 
there was a scene where I think it was Sam was talking about how he used when he owned the land, but I was like, but did you own the land first? Oh, good one. Good point. My power of cast is how beautiful people are treated better in life. Yes. Uh, I so was... I hear. <laughs> I, I don't know. Teeny, you want to let us in on? I wouldn't know. Because <laughs> from, from what I've seen, it's, um yeah, if you were born, it's if you're good looking, like the highest echelon of whatever your race is, you are definitely treated differently. If you are what, because of colonization and the, the European society is deemed as the beautiful traits, then your life, I think, is is very, very different than other people's lives in ways that I think kind of mirrors when people get defensive about um, topics like privilege and stuff, because if you're, if all of that is happening to you, you've never experienced it any other way. So you don't, I bet that like super good looking people don't really, like they would get kind of defensive about it and not really realize just how much of an advantage being as good looking as they are has been on their lives. Because it's something that the other <laughs> that us down are like, oh wow, you really don't see how your life has been affected by this and right, how people right. treat you differently. Any other cast? Yeah, well, I think like you specifically because about like JC. Well, she's also rich, and she's rich for the town. Yeah, yeah, but I I think she's pretty. I mean, she's going off to like I, I thought that the town. That she could have, that her parents had different houses because her dad owned the oil rig. I know. So why move to a nicer area or Wichita Falls? I mean, I, well, maybe it's, that's the thing of her father was from there and he owns it. And so maybe he wants to be the kind of owner that is around. And maybe he wants his daughter to at least have some sort of, uh, small town values. I don't know. Like I'm, I don't. I think he was totally removed. But um, but there's somebody richer than her in town. Yeah, but is that in his? Are they in the same town, or did she have to go to another town? Oh, that could be. You know, because yeah, there's okay all of that. It's well, she was in a cast there because she was a rung yeah. lower than he. Oh, how like Sonny and Dwayne, how they're in a like a different cast because they're pretty much raising themselves. And then what do they have to look forward to? And Dwayne ends up having to go off to war because there's he has really no um, options. And then my finally final one is the movie cast system about how Polly Platt, you know, comes up with like she was basically mm-hmm. a partner with Peter Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that her her title on this was design because production design, anything that you see on a film set movies and that was placed there for a reason. That was somebody went and picked out that lamp and put it there. They picked mm-hmm, out that mm-hmm. table and they put it there, but you know, she, because she was a woman in the industry and you know, her husband's the director. She put a lot of it into this because he didn't. He wasn't really that interested in it being a movie, and she was the one that really pushed it and was like, "No, you, like look at it from a different way." In the podcast, she 
the character explains it as um, he he didn't have any insight into like this is a small Texas town. What do I know about? And Polly Platt was like, well, remember when you were in high school and you said that you couldn't you couldn't get any girls? No girls would like you. Like this is about guys and trying to get girls to like them. It's just within this small town and kind of right. like put it into into a way that made him realize that, oh, this is this is cool. So Peter Bogdanovich, during the filming of this movie, has an affair with Sybil Shepherd, and it's not a secret. Everybody knows about it. And Polly Platt had just given birth to yeah. I think their second daughter. And she's stuck in this situation. And you would be like, oh, why don't you just leave? But this was her project, too. Mm -hmm. She's putting in all like she was doing the location scouting. A lot of the I when I was watching this movie, a lot of what I liked about it. I'm like, oh, man, that's all like Polly Platt. I bet I bet she was the one that because she, she went for realism. She did their clothes. She even did and designed Sybil Shepard's wardrobe and hair and makeup. Wow. Yeah. And you know so this is this big time professional thing and yet and she didn't put any poison in any of the zippers or anything none of it <laughs> she didn't burn his letters none of it and if it wasn't for me listening to that podcast i would have thought wow look at peter bogdanovich just look at look at what he did in the second movie mm-hmm. and all of this stuff and she's just pretty much yeah the invisible woman because she was a woman. She should she somebody made the point where she found she pitched the she found the book, she pitched the book to the production company. She pitched it to the director who was her husband. That's all stuff that producers do and she doesn't right. have a producing credit on the film. Right. Right. Well, now we are to nerd alert. And yeah. I have one. Uh Poppy and I lived in Texas for 3 years and I taught at the high school and Texas high school football is a phenomenon. Uh, we were there in the 70s, and the town would roll up the sidewalks on Friday night, and um, everybody went to the football game. It wasn't just the parents of the kids who played. It was the mayor was there. Everybody in the town went to you couldn't get a parking place at the at the stadium, and the stadiums were nice because Texas high school football that that was. If those boys had won the state championship, um, that we would be talking about a different cast. Because, whoa, high school football mm-hmm. and the cheerleaders, you know, Texas All high school cheerleading yeah. and the the band and the flag core oh that's friday night lights friday night lights and that is a real true thing did you go to the games yes i taught in the high school yes you had to you had to to go to the games yeah and it was fun (laughs) (laughs) Uh, was it like hayfield (laughs) just not quite not when i'm yelling at the coaches Throw it to Adam. Throw it to Adam. Adam's open. Well, this movie did come out in 1971. It takes place in 1951. Yes. So that would be the equivalent of us in 
uh, talking about a movie that was made in 2001. Oh, that's crazy. So, wow. Yeah. Um, it came out in October 1971. So remember, cigarettes were banned. Satchel Paige was the first Negro uh, player voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. He had a fight night with George Frazier, beat Muhammad Ali in 15 rounds. Um, we had the uh, Richard Nixon declares war on drugs, the 26th Amendment, so that the voting age was lowered from 21 to 18. Um Gloria Steinem made her address to women in America, basically saying, like, we're talking about humanism here, people. It's great. Um, and then we had in 1971 in Camden. Um, so they call it the 1971 Camden riot, but I wanted to, I don't, I don't know. Riot is kind of like rubbed me the wrong way. So I looked up the definition of riot, and that is a violent disturbance of the peace by a crowd. So let me tell you what happened. Yeah. And so New Jersey, Camden, New Jersey police beat to death Rafael Rodriguez Gonzalez, who was a Puerto Rican motorist. And the people took to the streets because none of the officers were charged in his death. They were Does eventually this sound familiar. Yeah. This was 1971. They were eventually charged with battery. And then eventually they were charged with murder. And then eventually they were acquitted. Acquitted. 50 so, years ago. The whole reason that the people took to the streets is because they nothing was happening to the officers. So I have a problem with riot because that means a violent disturbance of the peace by a crowd. But the peace had already been disturbed and it wasn't by the crowd. So maybe I looked up rebellion and rebellion is the action or process of resisting authority, control, or convention. Mm -hmm. So maybe go. it's the Camden rebellion. Right. And that's what happened. So I think now whenever I kind of see riot that I'm going to replace it with rebellion, rebellion. In, in my uh -huh. head. Because mm -hmm. if, if it's people reacting to other people, like who disturbed the peace? It wasn't, it was the officers who beat to death a man, a motorist. Right. right. Let's ha how about police officers stop killing people, stop killing citizens? Um, the Especially people of color, which, yeah, would, would just be nice, but uh, that's, that's how things have been set up, and a lot of people don't want to recognize that. The top box office grosses, uh, number five, Diamonds Are Forever, number four was Summer of 42. French Connection was three. Billy Jack, two. Number one was Fiddler on the Roof. The Oscar nominations. Man, people flocked to Fiddler on the Roof. We're going to have to do it. It was number one. For it's a musical. We're going to have a musical month. We uh, Best Picture nominations were Nicholas and Alexandra, The Last Picture Show, Fiddler on the Roof, A Clockwork Orange, and the winner was The French Connection. I'm so surprised at Clockwork Orange, which we did before Christine. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was a movie. That one took me out. That one was. Yeah, we, <laughs> that took us both out. We Whoa. were like, this is a Clockwork Orange? What? Yeah. Remember, it made me re-question, like, any time I saw that poster on anybody's wall. I'm like, Whoa. yes, yes, Whoa. yes. Christine, any nerd alerts? Nope. 
All righty. So we are to reheatables, negatives first. I feel like I have a long list of negatives. As do I, but go for it, Christine. The first one I wrote was blaming her, and I don't know why I wrote that, but I feel like that could be applied to like 18 different scenarios in this exactly. movie. Exactly. So least. I'll stick with it. Mm-hmm. And I wrote this under negative because I was a little bit confused at first. I and was I a wrote, little bit confused. What is lot. he kissing the coach's wife? Confusion. Yes. Why were they so quiet while she's undressing at the pool? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't we go hunt some pussy? There you go. I don't want no heifer. Wait, uh, did you think that they were actually referring to an actual cow? Move okay. on. Oh, okay. It's a coming. That's what I thought. I'm like, yeah, I think, okay. Uh. Makeout parties, ew. Mm. So weird. Yeah, I, I was never invited. <laughs> I mean, just like, <laughs> well, it's like such a weird concept. I You're mean, just gonna yeah. sit in a room and make out while your friend makes out like five feet next to you? That's so gross. And yeah. and the guys are cutting the eyes at the to, to watch the hot girl making out while they're kissing somebody else? Yeah. Heard the phrase, grab her by the pussy. Yes, we that have. Literally, yeah. Wow, I saw it. I wrote pedophilia. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then my last in this long line of things is they couldn't come up with a better story for Sam the Lion, where she was like, you know, I came up with that name, Sam the Lion. One day it just came to me. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I- they, like, don't worry. Don't, like, leave it out. If you don't have a story, just leave it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I assumed he was a Leo. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's just what gets left unsaid. Look at her. Why would she go? She's like, oh, finds out her his birthday's August. And it's like, you're a Leo. You're Sam I'm sure lion. that was it. I'm sure he didn't roar when they were making mad, passionate love. Oh. Yeah. Those are my negatives. So... Erin, are you ready for your negative reheatable? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, the whole scene with Billy and the sex worker. The, like yeah. the whole Billy and the sex worker, which I'm. You think I'm it's sure bad that. now? We're on that. I had so many questions in this movie. I think that was one of the reasons I was riveted by it. I it just held my attention. Yeah, just, me too. I had because, no idea what was coming next. Exactly. Who are Billy's parents? I don't think I thought maybe it was Sam the Lion, but Mm-mm. then I don't think so. I think he was just looking after him. Yeah, I feel like. And who were Billy's parents? That's what I was saying. Who were Billy's parents? That's what I meant to say. Did you say that or did you say Sonny? I heard Sonny. I heard Billy. Billy. But then also. She said Billy, okay? <laughs> Thank you, TV. Well, who were Sonny's parents? Where were they? Well, we saw his dad in the super awkward scene when he's at the Christmas party. And his dad comes up to him. Oh, yeah, because he had a drinking problem. Yeah, and that was the only time we ever saw him. And he was just like, oh, hey, dad. And he's like, hey, Billy, or Sonny. Yeah, because he, yeah. Yeah. So, um, the coach telling his student to skip school and take his wife to the doctor. Yes. 
I didn't know that the I do remember that there's the scene when we see the coach that he slaps a kid on yes. his bottom. But yes. it seemed like he did it in a really kind of coach way. And so I didn't know if I was supposed to read more into that. It was only until I read the synopsis on Wikipedia that they said that the coach was a closeted homosexual. And that's why he wasn't around. Yeah. Because I oh. kept thinking that his wife was dying, that she had the yes. cancer, and that's yes. and he was checked out, and that's why he wanted uh, Sonny to take his wife to the doctor because he didn't want to deal with any of that stuff. Great. So when she's still alive and kicking, I, I keep waiting for the other shooter drop with the woman, with Chorus Leachman, to give her, I'm a lady, I know when to say goodbye, you know? <laughs> to do her whole Friday <laughs> tomato scene. It doesn't happen. I was very, I was like, oh. I, so then I didn't understand why Ruth would tell Sonny that if the coach ever found out about Sonny, that the coach would shoot them both. Because I'm like, well, coach is never around. But right. then he was like, well, he was a, a closeted homosexual. So then why would he care? And right. the whole, and then by the end of the reputation, yeah, 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 yes. toxic masculinity, yes, especially oh. in Texas, yeah, ruins the party again. But then it didn't really make sense because everyone in the town knew about them, so yes. the coach wouldn't know about them. Yes, everything to do with the preacher's son. I had so many questions. From the, from the very first time when we see him with the coach and he's running weird and the coach got, is making fun of him. Yeah. Then why did Sam leave him $1,000 in his will? Mm. Why did he kidnap the little girl? So many questions that aren't answered. Then why did Sonny defend him? Because then remember Sonny's like defending him, but he's like, but he was still, there was a little girl with him. And then later, Sonny makes the point while he's saying that he's innocent because he only, only got the little girl to take off her underwear. Right. What? Yeah. I, yeah. So but I wonder how much things. more was actually answered in the book. Yeah. I'm probably. sure more. But this is not a book I'm going to read. No. The ducktail hairstyle of the 50s. Yeah. That really hasn't come back around. Thank God. You know, you see a lot of old styles coming back in, but I really haven't seen the super greaser ducktail thing come in. Um, high school songs. Ugh. I No, why you don't need them. Oh. Stupid. Culty, don't do it. I'm not a I'm not a cat person myself. But I will say, the way that JC slung her cat off the bed made me get a little up in arms <laughs> for the cat people. I was like, damn, she just tossed that cat. I don't I remember that. that. I don't yeah, I yeah. missed that. I think it was after her mom was talking to her and the, the cat was on the bed and she has a huge bed, but she just makes it a point of just putting her hand under the cat's belly and flinging it. I mean, it goes flying out Aww. of the frame. <laughs> I can't remember. Right so those are my negative reheatables. Okay. I really have a problem with uh, chewing tobacco and snuff and how you have to spit into the, into the styrofoam. I had a parent, a female parent, 
in a oh. conference, do that the entire conference. And I worked really hard not to gag the entire conference. It was wow. so disgusting. That's a move. That's a that's one of those moves where you just automatically assign it to a personality trait and you're probably not wrong. The handgun on the kitchen wall. Oh yes. Texas? Uh, the quote, idiots as bad as Mexicans. Yeah, that, see? Just uh, Mexicans yeah. just catching strays. So, well, why you gotta say that? Again, the Cadillac front bras. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then Dwayne, on his way to the army, I guess the next piece of ass I'll get will be Ella. Yeah, look at that. I mean, so much wrong with that. The fetishization of Asian women. I mean, just the yellow. Just And there's so much more. But <laughs> I stopped there. But so no we, blackface. So no I blackface. think we can yeah. all be happy about that. Okay, we are too positive, Reheatable. Am I the only one well, with any? No. I, I somehow, despite all I had wrong, I did like the movie. For some, like, it kept my attention, and I wanted to know what was next, and it was like, like, I don't know why. I care. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I it. I cared about Sunny. I didn't give a shit about anything. About- I just was like, what the hell is happening, and why do yeah. I, like, what's going to happen next? Yeah, I just got caught up in everything. Um, positive. This is also a quotable, but all you really need now is a little eyebrow pencil. <laughs> uh, Made note of that myself. Thank you, Christy. I almost wrote this a negative, but I switched it to positive. When JC was, um, who's her original boyfriend, the poor one? Dwayne. 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 And she's trying to get out of going to hang it. And she's like, um, well, my mom said that I have to go to this swim party with Lester. And I love that she blamed her mom because I totally remember being like, my mom said, I could, I'm sorry. My mom said, I can't. <laughs> my mom said, I can't do that. You just blame everything on your mom. Yeah. I wish that still worked. <laughs> Wait, it doesn't? <laughs> you can blame it on your mother-in-law now. Um, my mother-in-law said I yeah, can't. Sorry, go I out. can't come out tonight. <laughs> my mother-in-law said no. <laughs> um, I just probably shouldn't say. I just made Adam blame something on Adam the other day. Um, <laughs> I cleared it with him before I did. Playing oh. pool. Mm. I yes. have that as well. And, uh, and holding the pool stick the right way. What was she doing? Flirting. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's true. Uh, yeah, there's another thing that involved a pool table, but I won't get into that. <laughs> well, there was that. Erin, your positives? The cinematography. Yeah. I just loved, and then that also goes into, dovetails into with the production design. I mean, it really just put me in the place. It com- did. Oh, I was yes. completely just how dusty everything was. And, and flat. Flat. Yep. It really exactly. was. That was Texas. That was Texas. And their clothing. I felt that um, everything that Sonny wore was, yeah, they did just, you know, how he was poor and stuff. And 
I loved how hard it was for him to get his cowboy boots off. Because those yes. aren't easy to get off. Yeah, just all of that. Um, I don't think that I've had Mezcal. What? I, I went to... Because this is a good reheatable because I... Before um, things got really bad, I would go down to Mexico. I've, I've done the weekend Mexico trips. And my friend who he had lived there for a little while, um, he, there was always that they would get the tourists. It was these gigantic uh, plastic, they looked like bees, like, um, I don't know. It was almost like a gallon jug and it was clear. And my friend was like, do not, do not drink that. Cause you could get two of them for like $3, which oh, is your not... first yeah. clue. But of course, some of my friends that they went down the first time, they were like, what? So I had tried that because I'm like, Ew, I, no, don't try that. yeah, and it was it was it was God awful. And that's what I thought Mezcal was. But then oh. I've been re hearing a lot. Teeny's been talking I about love it. Mezcal. And I realized like, oh, no, I've never I don't think I've really ever had Mezcal. What exactly is Mezcal? It's a tequila that's what i thought okay it's like a smoky tequila oh okay i would describe it as um but mezcal is an agave based liquor um yeah and i would say technically mezcal is cooked inside earthen pits that are lined with lava rocks and filled with wood and charcoal before being distilled in clay pots Okay. And tequila is produced by steaming the agave inside industrial ovens before being distilled two or three times in copper pots. Oh, okay. Ah, interesting. Yeah, so color me intrigue. Um, Collier's Magazine, the father was Lois's husband, Had was, uh, was like sleepy in front of the TV, and I think he had opened a Collier's Magazine. Oh. And how many films have we done especially in the 30s, like before the 50s, and it was, oh, based on a short story that appeared in Collier's Magazine. Oh. And I was like, oh, look at that. It's probably got a great short story in it. <laughs> Dr. Pepper. Yeah. I'm a fan of Dr. Pepper, and I haven't had Dr. Pepper in over a year. I and did, like, also, I also liked that scene where <laughs> he, like, sits down to take the Dr. Pepper, and she's like, you can leave if you want. And he like half stand stood up, but she's like, but he just like stayed hovering for a minute. That's so yeah. awkward. And then she just starts crying. Yeah. And I thought yeah. that's when she's going to tell him she's got the big seat. I know. But it was no. either breast or ovarian. I was sure. I, you know what? In my mind, it was nothing but ovarian. Uh-huh. because of the the doctor how he or the coach how he was like you know her female stuff and i was like oh she's got that but no apparently there was nothing wrong with her i don't i don't well, know i have more on that okay okay roughnecks as soon as i heard roughnecks i thought of the mc light hit roughnecks and then the whole rest of the movie anytime somebody said roughneck i thought gotta who gotta gotta what gotta what gotta get a rough and then i had to look up what roughneck was because i learned what roughneck was 
at least what I thought it was from MC Light. But then I was like, wait a second, there's no people of color in this film. Mm -hmm. And they're saying roughneck. What is a roughneck? So a roughneck is a person whose occupation is hard manual labor. Ah. And in that yeah, and in that case, like roughnecks, it was usually oil rig workers. Right. They were considered roughnecks. Which was hard, hot, sweaty Mm -hmm. work. Yep. With very little return. I had Sybil Shepherd's eyebrows, since I'm very conscious of eyebrows mm-hmm. now. <laughs> the eyebrow connoisseur. And Sybil Shepherd saying, I can't stand to be tickled. Oh, yeah. You're, yeah. That's I had the pool hall. And then I had the three, the three femme fatales. Ellen Bernstein, Cloris Leachman, and Eileen Brennan. I mean, they were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we are two quotables. I have a co- I have a good amount of quotables, actually. Uh, you're rich and you're miserable, so I sure don't want to be like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because no young woman wants to be like their mother at that certain age. Um, excuse me. Well, oh, I mean, yeah, me too. <laughs> um, no, I don't dance much. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, that's you. Too. Just have to it my wedding. Is being married always that miserable? No, nah, not really. About eighty percent, I guess. <laughs> Um, well, put your clothes on. You think I just want to sit around and look at you naked? Yes. Uh, have a little drink of bourbon. It'll pick you up. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. Yeah. Well done. Erin? I have, because being crazy about a woman like her is always the right thing to do. Yeah. Not so much. Uh, and then another one of his that made me laugh so hard. He comes in, he goes, this is Sam the Lion I'm talking about. Chicken, fry me a steak and try to use some meat this time. <laughs> I like Sam the Lion a lot. Oh, uh, and then my last one was, everything's flat and empty here. And I'm like, yeah, that's Texas. Yeah. Okay. I have, you didn't even have the decency to wash his face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So am I, honey. It's kind of an itchy age. <laughs> Who said that? Uh, the mom. Lois? Her, uh, her mom. Yeah, yeah. Lois. Yeah, she was great. Oh, she was so good. Uh, yeah. Okay. So LVP. Uh, oh, well, I wrote a couple things down while I was watching those boys, Jimmy Sue, well, Jimmy Sue for raping Billy. But then the overall thing I wrote is objectifying women. Yes. Yeah. Unless boys were all assholes. Yeah. And the women, that's all they had. I mean, if you were good enough looking to be objectified, you were lucky. Toxic masculinity spoils the party again. I have spitten in a styrofoam cup. 
as my runner-up because it's so disgusting. But my all-time is anybody who's taking advantage of anyone who is different in any, you know, cognitively, physically, emotionally, when the boys were having their fun by having Billy go in with the sex worker. Just they, yeah, they, and I, well, I think what they did is completely wrong, but I think if, if I'm putting myself in the boy's shoes, they didn't realize, and that's, that's just how wrong they are, you know, um, that they didn't even realize what they were doing was wrong. And then I feel like Sonny realized Sonny, it, but, but nobody Sonny else. He only realized it when he saw Sam's reaction to it. Yeah. It was when he saw Sam's reaction to it that he was, that he realized what he had done wrong. So all those boys, they were all these high school students students who the, all they're thinking about is sex and so of course they have this kid that's with them and and the only thing that they want to do is grab women by their pussies and here's this kid in billy and that's their biggest gift that they can give to him because they said they're like he's gonna die a virgin not on our watch and it's just oh, so it just makes it even more cringy. I think the fact that they thought that they were doing something doing to him help a favor. Him. Yeah, yeah. I would like to think that I had um, I had a little girl in my class who happened to have Down syndrome, and she but she had the best. Oh my gosh, she had the best sense of humor. She was so much fun. And this was in first grade and a little boy like really became good friends with her and would do play dates and, and, and everybody was like, isn't that great that he really, in fact, he said to his mother one time, I wish she was my sister and not my real sister. Damn. Damn. But I came into the cafeteria one day and all the kids were laughing because she was eating out of the garbage and he had encouraged her to do that. So was it, yeah, I mean, I went off. (laughs) Well, I went off on that kid. So was it because he felt like he needed to do something to separate himself from her because kids were saying, oh, you're best friends with her? Or was it, I have this relationship with her and I can make her do anything I want. And that was how I interpret. Oh, that he's a little sociopath. Yeah. Um, so it could be either one of those, but he got punished as if he had. Yeah. Which it seems less likely the, or he, like maybe it would, they could it have been in some way her idea and he kind of, and, or his, one of their ideas and it would make her, more like make that the other kids laugh and so it's it's like they like you know like she's being the uh a jester and that would ingratiate them into the other kid i mean like uh, look i'm just pulling at straws i'm not and we are talking about six-year-old minds here but yeah anytime i see someone using someone's differences to make other people laugh 
ooh, it's yeah. not a good look. It, it's it's not at all. And that's, it's not, and especially because of what you said before about how he said that he wanted her to be the sister. I don't know, my, that, put out a red flag sociopath alert on that, because. Well, I went to the parents, and, and even the parents of the little girl, because it's the first time that a, quote, normal kid had wanted to have play dates with her they were like they were like so willing to go no 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 it it was a bad call on his yeah. part but it wasn't to to use her it was and and i was like mm, I, I just had a bad feeling yeah. about it you know but, you gotta so. trust feelings it's like that did not that that took a law and order turn right there yeah yeah Ooh. yeah and i did too i became olivia benson like a bitch. <laughs> what are we up to next? MVP? Um, uh, at first, I was going to do Polly Platt, um, but I feel like Aaron's going to have Polly Platt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> face on that face. I did. I think she, uh, I started listening to that. What's the podcast? You, you must, must remember, remember, this. remember this. Um, but didn't have time to finish it. Uh, and it does seem fascinating. And just the fact that she was able to work with Sybil Shepherd after she started sleeping with her husband. Yeah. Rise above all that. Um, That'd be hard to do. Yeah, but... Uh, or not that it's all her fault. That they started sleeping together. I don't know. After her husband's... And she was able to work with both of them. They... Uh, so I read an article in Entertainment Weekly about the... When they came together to shoot Texas Phil, is that the name of the sequel? Uh-huh. Um, I'm not sure. What year was that? It was in the 90s. It was either 90 or 91. Oh, really? 20 yeah. years later. Yeah. So Polly Platt said, it was difficult and I hated Sybil. I was jealous. Everything happened while we were shooting. Um, but now during the shooting for the sequel, she and Bogdanovich reconciled as friends. She's visiting them. She's visiting the set because other fences have been mending as, mended as well, inside and outside of the family. Um, and I don't know. The, her daughter said everything changed after the left picture show was finished. After my parents came back, Peter never lived with us again. Children take it on themselves and a lot of things like that happen. So this film means a lot to me and my family. It's very emotional for talking about the... Um, the sequel that they did. I think she would be my MVP. But also I wrote, I put Sam the Lion as a runner up because I really yeah, liked him and he was I just trying to keep these kids on the street and narrow. And and they weren't even his kids as he far was, as we know. Basically, he was just trying to keep the whole town afloat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he owned like every open business in town. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I'll go because mine definitely is Polly Platt. And... Just just in all of the stuff that she, she just, how she worked so hard for it and then to just have this betrayal. I think it's also two betrayals because then the movie comes out and everybody's patting his back right. and it's just like she knows how much that she put into it. And I also thought it was interesting in... I was reading somewhere where Peter Bogdanovich basically said that he had edited the movie on a... Moviola, and then the guy who edit who got credit for it says, uh, "No, he did a cut of it." But uh. I, you know, so it just kind of makes you wonder 
I, who knows? Um, but yeah, Polly Platt, she she did develop a bit of a drinking problem. So I mean, who wouldn't? Exactly. It's it's one of those things where just because, <laughs> yeah, you know, it it wasn't like oh she was able to she was able to work with her, but she still you know there <laughs> she needed some uh, liquid needed some therapy as it were. Exactly, and then. I don't know a whole lot about it, but uh, Peter Bogdanovich later goes on to get involved with Dorothy Strathern. I read that. I do have some about that. Because there's a very cringeworthy quote from him. Okay. And she's like 20, right? Well, she was. And then she died. Yeah. Yeah. She got murdered by her husband. And so then... After she dies, he then got with her younger sister and said, it's not that unusual as far as the history of the world that somebody dies and the sister or brother takes the place. The fact is that it's not that unusual. It works. There's a whole bunch of books that have been written about it. Made to December romances. It's not unusual. It's not, damn it. I'm telling you, it's <laughs> yeah, not. It's normal. It's completely and totally normal. Nothing to here. <laughs> yeah. If I say here. it often enough, you're going to believe it. Wow. So he could also be in the LVP. Yeah. Yeah. His yeah. name should be Dick instead of Peter. <laughs> My MVP, oh. Eileen Brennan's side eye. When oh. she sees JC after JC has been with Dwayne and Sonny, and they got into a fight, and oh, yeah. Sonny almost lost his eyesight. I thought he did lose his eyesight. I don't know. After that, the, there was just a little tiny scratch on the top of his eye. We eyebrow. do know if the retinas get detached. Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. She's got a great side oh, eye. Oh, it was had, so good. Even in just in black and white, she has just the most striking eyes. Yeah. They just like cut through and just great. So good. So we are two recasting, and I have two. I just did one, but I I did the old Aaron fallback crutch of an all-time cast, which then sent me down another rabbit hole. Okay, well, go, Aaron. You want mine? Okay, I'll start from the bottom. So I went all-time. So for Ruth, I picked, um, like, a 40-ish Jane Fonda for Ruth. Oh, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Wow, okay, he would be lucky to be hitting that. lucky to be with Ruth. I thought Cloris Leachman was fantastic. Yeah, she did. Um, For Lois, which is JC's mom, I have Halle Berry. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, which is going to make my all-time casting, I, I just, it just occurred to me now that I'm like, well, that might, okay. Hey, we'll have to go with it. Shame on shame on you all for questioning it. I would put a young Charlize Theron. Mm. Yeah. Because that's the thing. You need somebody who is just like, yeah, they're the yeah. best looking person in town. In the world. In the universe. Right. 
Um, oh, but you know what? But maybe I would go, I maybe I would switch that, have it be Charlize, an older Charlize Theron as Lois, and have a young Halle Berry as JC. For Sam the Lion, I put Sam Elliott. For Dwayne, I put young Marlon Brando. Oh. Wouldn't that be great? And then from the very first frame that I saw old Timothy Bottoms, I was smitten with him. And all I kept seeing when I saw him was Brad Renfro. I just kept thinking about Brad Renfro. Hmm. Now, Brad Renfro was, remember, he was the child actor that blew us all away in The Client? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then I went down because he passed away of a drug overdose in 2008. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, that. so then I went down. I went down a rabbit hole of, of Brad Renfro, and there's this fabulous BuzzFeed article about how Hollywood and everything let him down, and others like him because when they went to do the client, you know, they did casting calls, but they wanted a kid with edge, so they went to Priest and like you know. Uh, home like homes like people who would who would they said who's a tough kid i need a tough kid right and so, so faster homes and such such like that are troubled youths and so they found brad renfro and they put him in and yeah he had that edge and and then he was in it and then and then his he didn't have the best home life you find out later that he was born addicted to heroin and oh, he started wow. shooting up heroin when he was 12 and and he's working in Hollywood but a lot of people they they didn't know that he was shooting up they just could tell that something was a little bit off and it turns out that his mother was the one that gave him heroin like he was a born addicted to the heroin his mother's the one that gave him the heroin he was like his grandmother was the one that was supposed to be looking out for him of course she wasn't um, and then it was just about how he was like sexualized as a as a younger kid and stuff. Oh, and no. like some, they had an interview with somebody who was uh, who worked on one of the movies that he worked on. And he was like, yeah, he was about 15 or 16 and he was sexually active. Like he was going out with an older woman. And then the interview, the person who's doing the interview, because um, they know the movie, they're like, he was 12. no he was 13 which is just the same difference and then like that person like just pauses because he always was more mature right i came across as more mature so everybody like elevated his age and stuff and it was just so super sad and tragic but that yeah i just kept seeing like oh man brad renfro brad renfro so sadly another one that hollywood let down well, thanks for that uplifting. Mm-hmm. I also have an an older cat, uh, like uh, an older cast that when they were younger. Mm-hmm. So my, I only did three: Sunny, Dwayne, and JC. So my older, but when they were younger, Sunny, I totally had a Paul Rudd inkling all all along with him. Oh yeah, I see that with Sunny. So Dwayne would be my Brad Pitt. Oh yeah, he would be a good Brad, uh Dwayne. And JC was Julia Roberts. Okay. Oh, okay, but damn. my <laughs> No, I think I think they did not agree. I 
I think Julia Roberts is fantastically beautiful, but I put her in like in my mind, and this could be just weird and weird of me, and I could be wrong. She's more like girl next door. But then it's like, who are you living next door to, Aaron? Okay, yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Um, okay, but now, then I did a more up-to-date one, which is probably still not young enough. So my sonny is Ben Johnson, the guy who was Spider-Man, the ben latest Johnson? Spy- That's Ben Johnson no. was in the movie. I'm sorry, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. <laughs> oh. uh, Tom Holland. So to that, my my um, Dwayne would be Harry Styles. Oh wow! You're welcome. Oh. And my JC is Daisy Ridley. Okay. Yeah, I am assuming that our Christine did not did do it. Did not do one. So we are to tasty nuggets, Miss Christine. Tasty nuggets. <laughs> um. Flashback to 2017. Before um, you were married. Before times. And let me pull something up real quick. Should have had this uh, cute and ready to go, but we're okay. We're 2017. That's the year we're in. Does anyone remember this? I love two things. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> That's why you love us, listeners. Do you guys remember this little kid that went viral for yodeling in Walmart? I, re- I remember the yodeler. I do not. I remember. Yeah, tangible. Okay, well, he went viral for yodeling in a Walmart, and his name is... I wrote down Mason Crosby, but that's the Packers player. <laughs> His name is Mason Ramsey. Um, and I, Adam and I were sitting there watching, the, that part of the movie was on, and I was like, what is that? And I was like, that song played like four times in the movie. Uh-huh. Hank Williams, I believe it's Lovesick Blues. Could be. Um Anyway, so he went, he's the Walmart yodeling kid, and that video has 79 million views on YouTube in the past three years, and after he went viral, like, he went on the Ellen show, she booked him a show at the Grand Ole Opry. Wow. Um, And I'm pretty sure he performed at Coachella, and he has a single out now. Oh my gosh! But it was perfect, because they asked, like, why he yodeled (laughs) at the Walmart, and he told Ellen that's the only store they got, so... (laughs) <laughs> where else would you go it's this or nothing yeah I just can't get it I, and then that song was stuck in my head the past 24 hours oh, well I don't funny. know what to do um, <laughs> and my other tasty nugget I wrote down Sybil Shepherd tits <laughs> oh. <laughs> here we go okay this person's last name is Chason Chason did you cover that person that worked on the movie Okay, well, it was their their job to find a photo double for Sybil for the nude swimming party scene and somebody that was shaped like she was. And Peter wanted the act the double to have, I'm not, I'm quoting this. Mm -hmm. This Yeah, tits that looked as much like Sybil's as possible. 
But Sybil wouldn't allow a photograph or anything and wouldn't let me to see them. So then she tries to describe to me in words what her tits look like. And they took a tape measure and measured and everything. And I went out looking for girls to double her. And I have to say it was not an unpleasant task. I went to the talent agencies in Dallas and they didn't blink an eye. They brought girls in and, you know, the girls would take off their tops and show their breasts. I wouldn't do the tape measuring myself. We had a woman there, like a nurse, which I was very surprised by, actually. I am too. But ultimately, if you look at how that scene was shot, it would have been extremely difficult to pull it off. Peter was able to talk Sybil into actually showing her breasts in the film and stripping down entirely, although you don't see anything below the waist. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't it wasn't Peter that talked her into it. She, Sybil Shepherd went to um, Cloris Leachman, yeah. Elaine, oh. Elaine um, Eileen, and um, Ellen Burstyn. Right. And they were like, normally I wouldn't, but for this movie, I would. Like, in this oh. movie, yes. Because it. Mm-hmm. it was a really um, quick shot. And Bogdana, was it? Did we linger? I thought that took forever. We lingered in her underwear, I guess. I was able to mentally note um, two things. The most obvious was that I said in my head, wow, I guess her boobs don't sweat underneath (laughs) because they don't touch. And then I remember like here something about, you know, a pencil test. Yeah, the pencil test. I think from the, what, I hit puberty and then I could stick up a whole, like, 12-pack just no, right up couldn't. there nicely. No, and they your mother stay. could, but you couldn't. Just, I could do 24 Ticonderegas. I was just like, <laughs> wow, there's, they just don't, there's just no double, there's no, they're just there. It's just, that's, I guess that's perky. That's what people Perky is yeah. pointing up instead of pointing to just the ground down. where the gravity yeah. is taking you. Hey, I, I, Sir Isaac Newton, right here on full display. <laughs> and then I should say, I'm reading this in Texas Monthly, which is often referenced by our friends at Exactly Right Podcasting Network. Isn't that where they... Yeah, okay, Texas Monthly is a, yeah. is a very yeah. uh, renowned publication. Um, but so Bogdanovich said that the nude scenes were nervous-making, all of them. I didn't really want to shoot it that way, and the producers really wanted it that way. And now I don't know what to believe about what he says. But no, And I reluctantly right. did it. I was uncomfortable with it, but we did it. We had a lot of trouble finding an indoor swimming pool for that one scene. We just couldn't find one anywhere in Archer City or Wichita Falls. Finally, someone found one of those little kind of help spas in Wichita Falls, and we rented it. And we needed some kids who wouldn't mind getting stripped for the scene. So we found some who agreed to do it. And I thought, you know, it was just going to be very delicate. All these kids, they come out buck naked, and they didn't give a shit. And I was just looking up at the sky saying, oh, shit. I was embarrassed that they weren't. Sybil and I were the only two who really didn't enjoy it. And those are the scenes I'm still not thrilled with. Someone found it. Who could that someone yeah. have been? Yeah. yeah. I'm guessing it was Polly that found that. Just But I heard that for that scene there was nobody else around. There was the director and the and the Well for her, I guess, but all those yeah. kids had to come out. Oh late. yeah, they didn't care. Yeah. Yeah, but like that's that's how it, that's filmmaking. So you look at her and what she's doing. That everybody that's behind there, that's just the magic of movie making. Like when they're filming her thing everybody's cleared out 
Then they turn the camera around, do a different setup, and you have all of the kids, and that's when all of the kids are yes. there. The thing that's very interesting about that, to tie that into the Brad Renfro article I read, is that he was saying that when kids are on set, on a set, there's only the only person who can stop, it has the power to stop a production because they feel that a child performer's, um, like it's bad for the child performer, you know, to act in their best interest is the production teacher. They have the power to stand in front of the camera and stop production if oh. they feel that a child is being endangered. If it's something's too sexually explicit or the stunt's too dangerous. But the problem is, is that the teachers are paid by the production. Right. Right. So it's a conflict of interest. And that just when you were talking about how like, oh, the kids showed up and they just got buck naked and we're you're just like that. Who's you know, I mean, I don't know. I could see it go either way. I could totally see a bunch of teenage kids just being like, yeah. Yeah. And also they probably, you know, they were probably like young twenties, if anything. I could totally see them being like, hell yeah, let's just get drunk and do this. But yeah, it could also but go the other way. And it's also an independent production, so I don't think that they probably had a teacher on set. Yeah. But it's yeah. it's it's just that kind of thing of that slippery slope, and this is how child performers get taken advantage of. It's yeah. why Yes, yeah. And the females were full frontal, the males were not. Mm. I did notice. Yeah. Well, we saw, we just couldn't see their weans. Yeah. Yeah. It was just very, the... you would see flashes. If you wanted to get all nerdy and like yeah. freeze frame, I'm uh, sure you could get side you. views. And <laughs> it's before, it. before waxing was in vogue. Yeah. I'm just uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have so much about the sex, the nude scenes, but so Sybil Shepard, did at first she did say that like those scenes are uncomfortable but then later on like when it came time to do the sequel she was like um but god i look great i would leave it all in there she yeah that's she what was, she, she was like i looked good she did and that's that's what she said if you're gonna do a nude scene do it when you're 20 yes mm -hmm. exactly exactly um, 40 Leachman, what's her first name? Cloris. 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 So that was sounds awkward to film. Sounds it's when she so slept with Sunny. She said the three of us got in the room, this tiny little bedroom together, Peter, Timothy, and I. And the first thing out of my mouth was Timothy saying, the first thing out of anybody's mouth was Timothy saying, I ain't taking my clothes off for this scene. So starting with that, we began to figure out how to do it. And each of us would go to a separate corner and undress down to our underwear. And then we would get into the bed, but we wouldn't take off our underwear. Another set of underwear was planted in there. So Peter says action. And oh, we so he could, okay. Taking off our clothes and we get into bed and he throws out his underwear, the planted one. And I take off my bra and panties and throw the fake ones out. So they had to do it again because they couldn't stop laughing. And then Timothy Bottom said that he was like, she was my mom age. Yeah. Sort of like being intimate with your mother. Very weird. <laughs> and he said, and you know that Sybil Shepherd is just outside. <laughs> Acting is so awkward. So awkward. That would be so awkward. Just so, so awkward. Like, oh. But I felt like they really captured the awkwardness of they the did. They did do a good May, job of December right really like it was just over and she cried over that. <laughs> Because I okay, moving on. Well, I thought she was crying because she was dying. 
but apparently. <laughs> I don't think she was crying because she had finally had the orgasm she'd wanted all her life. Yeah, that didn't seem in to that happen. in that short time frame. No. Ben Johnson was uh, Sam the Lion. He was in the movie Nine Minutes and Fifty Four Seconds, and he won the Best Supporting Actor Academy Award. The shortest amount of time on screen, as opposed to Sunny. <laughs> okay, moving on. Cloris Leachman. She said she felt like the coach was gay, and that's why she didn't have any relationship with him. And when Sonny came around, she finally had a relationship. Yeah. That yeah. sounds right. That makes sense. I just didn't get, it was just the driving, the whole thing of take my wife. Yeah. To like why is she going to the doctor so much? Exactly. And then when she's coming home, she's just crying and it's just like, Oh man, she's dying. But did she find out there's, there's really nothing wrong with you. That that's not the reason your husband isn't having sex with you. I maybe that apparently. Yeah, I, I know. I always thought she had cancer, and even if she did have cancer, she could go ahead and have that you know twenty second sex with the Sunny. Um, her last scene that she did was done with no rehearsal. It was the first take. She wanted to do it again, and the director said. No, you just won an Oscar. And she did. Yeah, that was good. She was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam the Lion was originally offered to Jimmy Stewart. Really? That yeah. makes sense. Bogdanovich, Dick Bogdanovich, <laughs> didn't know. He thought about going in black and white. He he didn't know if he should paint everything gray. And he talked to Orson Welles, who was her, his mentor. And he said, no, do it in black and white. Ellen Burstyn, who played Lois, the mother of J.C., was originally considered for Genevieve the pl- the part that Eileen Brennan played, mm-hmm. the um, the waitress, her, the waitress, and um, the director uh, wanted her for Ruth, the Cloris Leachman part. And told her, go home, sleep on it, because you can have any one of these three roles you want. Oh, and Bogdanovich told her the Ruth part is an Academy Award winning part. Yes. Uh, evidently, Sybil and Jeff had a brief fling. Very that must brief. have been before oh. Bogdanovich. Yeah, it was before Bogdanovich. It was, it was Bridges. Bogdanovich, and then Elvis, apparently. Oh, good for her. Okay. So, well, this got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Originally in the book, the scene with the sex worker was with an indeed heifer, which is a cow that hasn't given birth. Oh, my Wait, it's a pregnant cow? No, but the cow has never been pregnant or given birth. Is it called a heifer? Oh, like a virgin cow is a heifer. Oh my yes. God. Yes. That's what I thought. I was like, no, I was like, oh, they're calling a woman. A- oh, no, they're actually referring to a real cow. Yes. Yes. Oh, and Orson Welles advised against doing that on film. Yeah. Thank that was you. A good call. That Orson. was a very good call. 
Yeah, wow. So that, I mean, that's what they say about them rural folk. I'm just saying. Okay. Um, and then I have a quote. This film is about a town with no reason to exist and people with no reason to live there. Their only hope is transgression. Yeah. Which is why I started with the Victor Hugo quote. Man, y'all getting more smart than me. You're welcome. I have. It was nominated for eight Academy Awards. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor. Two of them, Jeff Bridges and Ben Johnson. Best Supporting Actress, two of them, Ellen Burstyn oh, and Cora She was Leachman. so good in that one scene in the convertible. Oh, she was mm-hmm. so good. Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography. So Ben Johnson and Cloris Leachman both won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Peter Bogdanovich is the voice of the disc jockey. Oh, okay. Peter Bogdanovich wanted Jimmy Dean to play Abilene, but the producer said no. I mean, I know Jimmy Dean because he makes, makes a hell of a sausage. <laughs> oh, I love my Jimmy Dean sausage. But Jimmy Dean was a thing back. I mean, he was a thing back in the day. And he chose wisely in his sausage That's production. True. And his day. little Ooh. his little um, icon is incredible. The J and the D that is a is a cowboy boot and a okay. Jim Dean. Jim Dean. Larry McMurtry also Larry McMurtry wrote so many books, so prolific. He also wrote a Dwayne Moore series. So there was the Last Picture Show, then there was Texasville, then there was Dwayne's Depressed, and then there's when the lights go out and Rhino Ranch, a novel. Oh, Those wow. are all books about Dwayne. Dwayne. Um, and then Archer City was that's where they shot the film. That's mm-hmm. Larry McMurtry's hometown. In oh. in the the Thalia trilogies, Archer City has changed to Thalia, but it's really Archer City. And in this, it was that. Uh, Bagdadovich changed it to another name. Anna. Anna. Yeah. Um, the last picture show is John Wayne's Red River. That's yes. What plays last? I'm sorry Roger, about that. Roger Ebert said it was the best film of 1971. Uh, in 1973, it was banned in Phoenix and Rapidus Parish, Louisiana, for obscenity. Even without the heifer. Yeah. In 1992, it was re-edited, and it was the director's cut. So what we watched was the director's cut. I did watch the director's cut, yeah. Yeah, because the original cut is 100. The original cut is less than, because the original cut, Columbia put on a limit of 119 minutes. So it had to be less than two hours long. I love that. I know Um, you do. But in 1992, they had the director's cut, and now... That's you can't hardly find the theatrical cut anywhere. Oh, okay. Come across the VHS of it. Um, but there's a lot of scenes obviously that were added, like JC and Abilene's sex scene, and there's so many other scenes that were elongated and added to it. Um, and then this is stuff from 
you must remember this. They say like that Orson Welles said that it should be shot in black and white, but you must remember this is like that was Polly. Ah. They said that so I already mentioned how she pitched the book to the studio, she pitched it to the director, she helped with the screenplay. Larry McMurtry, the author, didn't think that Peter Bogdanovich got the book, but Polly Platt got the book. And because Polly was married to Peter mm-hmm. Bogdanovich, she was able to kind of get every, like, smooth all of that over. She designed and built the set. She scouted the set. She did hair and makeup, which was a union no no, but they didn't have the money to hire a union person. Um, she said that it had to be filmed in black and white. She guided the look of the film, said that it should be realistic and not stylized, and that would make the film look timeless, which I agree, and that's one of the reasons I think it holds up. She said the actors should look like real people. And then when, because Orson Welles was such a big influence in Peter Bogdanovich's life, he sent the script, and Orson Welles called it dirty, said it was a dirty script. I guess maybe, I mean... Apparently that script had cow fucking in it, so I, I, I'm gonna well, reserve yeah. judgment on Wells's part in that sense. But and so Polly Platt kind of got really nervous because she was like, "Great, Peter Bogdanovich worships Orson Wells," and that was kind of how she talked him into getting it to, to be black and white. And like you know, Citizen Kane was in black and white, and then if you hear Peter Bogdanovich say it, he kind of finesses the point that he went to Orson Welles and said that he wanted the depth of field that Citizen Kane had. And Orson Welles was like, "Well, you can't get that in color. You got to shoot it in black and white." So it's just very interesting how the stories that come out. So. But because, you know, Orson Welles was kind of down on the project, she could see that Peter Bogdanovich was getting down on the project and that maybe he was going to back out of it. And so she had to come in and say, hey, John Ford wouldn't like the scripts that Howard Hawks made and vice versa. So she was able to do that Jedi mind trick. Ah, good job. Yeah. So that helped. And I believe those are my tasty nuggets. I mean, they're so... It, it's just it's just a fascinating movie. It's a fascinating story behind the scenes, mm. and I'm really glad I saw it because it's it's it, this is one of the highest movies from film school that I always remember hearing about and everything that I hadn't seen. So I'm like, now I can, and I was riveted by it. I me too. Just yeah. So, alrighty then, listeners. That is the last picture show so i thought maybe we should go in a different direction next week oh maybe we should do a 1950s rom-com 1950s rom-com i'm wait i have a guess roman holiday no but i strongly thought about roman holiday Mm. I also thought coming up is the Kentucky Derby. Maybe I should do a story about a horse race. National Velvet. But I thought strongly about National Velvet. Uh, That was my second choice. Horse race. This movie, Christine, is one hour and 32 minutes. I love that. And it's not about a horse race. Oh. Wait, is the Derby on Saturday? 
Is Saturday the first? Yes. Saturday. Saturday is May 1st. I would think so then. Oh, I got a Oh, I have I got the julep mix. I do I it's not about a horse race. Oh, it's not about There were there were a few that looked like real losers, but no. Um this got a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, not 100, but close. <laughs> and it was inspired by this movie. What is it? Paper Moon. It is not. It says 19. The movie was made in 1950, but yeah. it was inspired by the last picture show. Because it was it was shown, part of it was shown during the last. Father of the Bride. Father of the Bride. Elizabeth Taylor, oh. Spencer Tracy, a rom-com-ishness. So we could nice. use a little fun. Nice. Okay, listeners, next week, Father of the Bride. This week, The Last Picture Show. Hope you enjoyed it. Oh. Oh. Oh.